0: more than a decade, wealthy nations have rejected official discussions on what is referred to as loss and damage. That term is used to describe rich nations paying out funds to help poor countries cope with the consequences of global warming for which they bear little blame. University of Otago Professor Ivan Diaz Rainey is on the line: Kia ora, Ivan, what does this, Kia ora. What does this all mean?
1: Look, I think it's uh, an important moment in terms of climate finance. So, um, after the paris agreement uh, money was given to to the poor, poor world from the rich world to to try and stop climate change mitigate uh also to try and live with it so adaptation finance but now we have a a new class of finance that looks like or well, hopefully uh, we will get an agreement at this latest meeting cop cop 27 and which deals with in a sense paying for the damage that's actually been caused um It's sad that, uh, you know, uh, mitigation and adaptation didn't work, but that's the reality of where we are now.
0: What is the likelihood that we will see something meaningful, though? Because at the moment they've just agreed to talk more, is that right?
1: Yeah, but I, I think it was uh, it was you know it, it, I think it took that the actually op- opening was slightly delayed to get this over the line. So I suspect there'll be pressure to agree something. It depends what that that something looks like, right? And there's plenty of devil in the detail, I suspect. Right. To put this in
0: context, though, what percentage of of emissions are poorer countries responsible for?
1: Oh, look, it's, um, you know, the vulnerable 20, which is um, actually a smaller group, uh, sorry, a group of about 55 or so countries, they're, they're a tiny proportion of, 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 of global emissions. So um, most of the emissions come with the largest emitter is China, uh, I think probably followed by the EU and, and the US and, and countries like India. So, um, yeah, the most vulnerable countries have very low carbon footprints.
0: And how would any sort of scheme be set up?
1: So I, I guess there's this, this various models, right? So it could be where there's a sort of a range of funds created and there's sort of an intersection with the private and public sector. And so it's like a, a, a mosaic of, of different approaches and different funds versus something much more structured. And I suspect the the uh, developing countries want something much more structured, which is within the EU, UN and, you know, uh, the developed countries pay a certain proportion of of damages and so on and of course uh, the developed countries are hoping to avoid that at all costs. This is
0: something that's been around for a while though, have any of these developed countries done any work on what it could look, look like for them?
1: So Denmark, um, I think they this year um, uh, created a fund where they 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 do start to contribute to to damage and loss. So that that was like a like a first and an important step in this direction. And and you know they they were the, in a sense the first mover in, in in the developed world to say, look, yes, we're going to do something in this space.
0: In the Pacific, we currently see aiders used to buy influence. Will we see those proxy influence issues through any scheme like this?
1: So I was really great question. I was really interested to see what China's position was on this, and and they're very much uh, on the uh, pushing for uh, damage and loss. But you know, at the same time, they're now the by far the largest uh, contributor of of greenhouse gases. So I, I thought that was a bit. I guess you know they they feel the impacts of climate change, but also they are they are a huge emitter now. Um, so yeah, their position is interesting, and I suspect it is uh, about taking climate change seriously, but also about influence around the world in, and in the developing world.
0: These developing nations, what what have they been saying? What have they been saying in reaction to last night's news?
1: Look, they'll be glad this is on the agenda. That they've, they've, I mean, it was discussed. Uh, 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 towards the end or uh, of cop26 in glasgow but but the fact that it's so front and center right it's 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 the main item in 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 discussion at the moment from from what i can tell so they'll they'll be delighted and they will want to to find an agreement that that ensures uh you know a good good flow of finance to deal with loss and damage And just remind us, uh, Professor, are
0: we on track to stop the world going above that 1.5 degree threshold?
1: Uh, Not at all. I mean, uh, even two degrees is questionable. Uh, I don't want to sound uh, glum or pessimistic, but I I think 1.5 is is increasingly looking unachievable. And I think aiming to stay uh, within... Uh, two degrees is is still doable, but would require a huge acceleration of of what we're doing.
0: So, how bad is it at the moment?
1: Look, I, I think we're we're heading for well above uh, two degrees, you know, to something like a three degree. And you think, well, you know, what's what's a degree between friends, right? But the impacts are the difference is huge uh, in terms of you know the frequency and severity of natural disasters, um, uh, and so on. So the 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 differences are massive.
0: Thank you. That's Professor Ivan Diaz Rainey from the University of Otago.